Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This time, it's not the way I see it. Today is the way we see it. And I'm I am honestly like absolutely buzzing to have on the podcast for you today, the incredible Cara Alwill, who is the founder of The Champagne Diet. And if you don't know what that is, where have you been? I mean, the best Instagram handle ever, The Champagne Diet. <laughs> She's the author of nine best-selling books, of which I've read eight. I realized I hadn't read the ninth today. I was like, oh God, I haven't read the ninth. So hopefully we don't get into that. And as I understand it, there might be a 10th book in the way, but I'm sure we'll get onto that later. So Cara, I mean, I could literally, like I said, read your I could read your Instagram bio I could read your website bio but I think what people are always most interested in is kind of I guess who you are in terms of what you believe that you stand for and then I can speak a little bit into how I became connected with you and kind of really how I fell in love with your work yeah so I am an author I'm based in New York City born and bred here um I started with a blog years ago called the champagne diet which was really just inspired by a glass of champagne. So my whole brand, my whole ethos, my mission is around celebrating yourself and celebrating your life and just empowering women and myself and all the women around me to create a life that we're obsessed with. You know, I think a lot of times we just sort of take whatever hand we're dealt and we just feel like, well, I'm just going to follow in the footsteps of the people around me. But it's, I, I think when you choose yourself and you choose to look at life in a different way, you just can create so much magic for yourself. Oh my God, love that. What an amazing way to describe yourself. So um, I fell in love with Cara's work actually for the first time in lockdown, which as we know was a joyous time around the world for us all. Um, But I kind of got a little bit obsessed. So I've got the whole stack right here. So if you haven't actually read, I'm a reader. Like I love Audible. Audible's amazing. I was a big fan when you recorded it with your voice, can I just say. Um, I'm doing girl code in two weeks with my voice. So we're re-recording that, FYI. Because like, (laughs) You know, when it's just like you vibe with a voice, right? And then it's not their voice. And you're like, it's not you. But I'm a big fan, as you can see. Oh, I love it. (laughs) And some of these. And I also just think the the cover on this, just like the colors on that where I was hanging. So I just want you guys to know that when I'm sat here, I'm not sat here with just someone who I think is awesome. You know, I found on Instagram, this is somebody's work who I've genuinely backed and believed in. It's somebody like, you guys know I'm super genuine. I don't have anybody on the podcast that I don't genuinely want you guys to go follow and plug into and think that you know you'll end up empowered so I'm a big fan of Cara's work for exactly the reason that she said is it's one thing I think that sometimes can happen in a personal development space is we can become quite enabled by things and we become quite reliant on a certain you know feed whether it's a certain author a certain podcaster a certain Instagram account and actually what I've always felt when I've left Cara's work whether it's her Instagram posts or whether it's her you know the books or the audios is very much empowered to go do the next thing and not to feel like I need more of Cara, right? And that's, I think that's a good thing. That's somebody who's created a business that empowers people, like you said, to build a life that they're obsessed with. So Cara, I mean, I've literally got so many questions for you. Um, But the first one is, I would love for us to talk a little bit about, this is going to go live, maybe, no, no, the day before Valentine's. So I'd love for us to get into a little bit of self-love, which I think is a topic that feels really kind of like we're going to be able to really get into this. So the first question I have for you is, what would you define self-love as? Like if you had a dictionary, the Cara Alwill Champagne Diet Dictionary, and it said self-love, what would your definition be? You know, to me, self-love is making a promise to yourself and keeping it. It's just making a promise to yourself, deciding you're going to do something and following through on your word. You know, it's not just the bubble baths and the champagne and the pedicures and all that stuff, which is great. I love it all. But I think for me, just through the years when I've decided I was going to do something and I followed through and I followed that up with action, to me, that was the best way that I could possibly love myself, whether it's a business goal, a personal goal, a challenge for myself. So yeah. 
that's oh, my that's my dictionary definition <laughs> you can tell I've been plugging as Cara's work because mine is do the thing you said you were going to do so there yeah. you go and, and actually yeah. talking about this this came up on a podcast the other day um with somebody who was really struggling with confidence and one of the things I said was exactly that is the best way to build your confidence is just do the thing you said you were going to do and like start small so I would love for you if you have I don't know whether there's been a story or a kind of uh, I guess an experience and I know that you have kind of a writing a memoir right now so that's quite an interesting kind of maybe I'm going to pull a memoir from something else around like self-love or maybe when you were going there was something happening in your life that where you decided that you wanted more or that you were changing what you were available for and maybe it's in love maybe it's in something else but I'm just I guess I'm really interested to give people an example of what self-love look like in a period of time to to you. You know, I think my divorce is probably a big moment where I realized that, you know, what is the Samantha Jones quote? I love you, but I love me more when she says that to Richard and sex in the city. And I will preface all of this with saying, like I always do, I adore my ex-husband. We are best friends. We're super close. I had the most amicable split because we really were at the end, just friends. But I had to look at my marriage and my life at that point. And I was turning 40 that year. By the way, I asked for a divorce in January of 2020 before COVID. So my timing was just impeccable there. Uh, I was like, let's just pile every fucked up thing on that we can. I'm going to turn 40 alone in quarantine. But anyway, I I did it because I was like, okay, I'm turning 40. These are like the best years of my life. Am I going to stay in a situation where I'm really not with the ideal person for me anymore. And I know he felt the same way. I mean, we had both grown just so comfortable with each other and it was a really hard thing to move on from that marriage. There was no drama. There was no cheating. There was no fighting, but I wasn't really getting every single thing that I wanted out of a a husband. So that was a big deal. And, you know, my family was always supportive of me, but like, it was a lot of like, are you sure? Like, is that, are you really sure? Like, he's such a good guy. You know, why would you do this? And I just had to have a vision for my life that was different And really believe that that was the direction I could trust myself to go in. And honestly, I say this again with love for him, but it was the best decision because my whole life changed. I can relate. Anyone who's been a follower for a while knows that I'm also divorced. My divorce was a little bit more messy, Um, but equally, I still carry so much love for him now. And if I saw him, I absolutely, you know, we would just give each other a big hug because I think that when you go through something like a marriage, no matter how long you've been married, whether it's 10 minutes, 10 years or whatever, I think there's an element of so much love for that other person that sometimes, like you said, you can reach a point where you love them so much that you're like, oh God, maybe maybe I need to change. Maybe it's me that's, and actually recognizing and stepping into that, I need to love me in order to thrive. I think that's a really, a really powerful moment. And I think a lot of women who've been divorced and been through breakups will tell you that. I guess I'm interested to know your thoughts if maybe somebody right now is in a relationship that isn't serving them or they feel like they've outgrown that's I'll be honest a lot of my coaching clients I know they're all there right now and again that's not coincidence right but they're in relationships that I know that aren't fulfilling and thriving but I know that leaving is feels like not an option so I guess I'm interested to know your thoughts on you know is it a you have to go or is it a kind of can you make it work I think that's a really tough question because it's so personal. You know, my mom once said to me, just this was like in a lap, like previous relationship. She's like, you will know when you've had enough. Like you will just know when it's time. So I don't think it's something you can really pull your friends about or family members or even a coach really doesn't know. I think it's just a matter of getting close enough to yourself to be like, can I continue doing this? And I think if you look at like you know, the risk versus reward. Like if I walk away from this, here's what I might be losing, but here's what I could also be gaining. 
and then just slowly kind of becoming more comfortable with the things that you could possibly gain. And I think for, for me, and I think you can probably totally relate to this as an entrepreneur, I don't like comfortable things. (laughs) I don't like anything that feels a little too comfortable, a little bit too complacent. And I know that in my marriage, like I did try to make it work. I mean, could I have tried harder? That's it's hard to say, but I felt like I had done everything at that point. And I felt like I had gotten everything from him at that point in terms of trying. So it was just, it hit a wall and I couldn't move on. So I think again, just checking in with yourself is so crucial and taking time away from, you know, all of the noise outside because everyone's going to have an opinion. And here's the thing about opinions. Anyone that tells you what to do is most likely coming from a place of love, but they're coming from their own life and their own views on the world and their own personal set of experiences. So there's not one other person on the planet that knows what's best for you other than you. And that's so true. And I was actually speaking with a client yesterday about this exact thing. And she was saying that some, you know, whenever she wants something and goes for something, and then she tells someone and they have a negative opinion, she feels like she has to pull back because somebody else's opinion, she feels like always that way. So there's a whole other thing we could go into there. But I think it's interesting that you talked about other people's opinions, like their projections and their fear stories and their beliefs. But I'm actually interested, not just maybe in a romantic relationship, but about the relationships with other people when it comes to self-love, how to how do you or how would you, I guess, what would your advice be to somebody who maybe doesn't have the best supportive environment, whether it's pursuing career goals, relationship goals, whether it's, you know, even fitness goals, right? We've all had that person, we want to go to the gym and they're like, why can't we just go drinking? You know, like we've all had that person, I guess. I'm interested to know your thoughts on when we feel like the people around us aren't supporting us, but we also know what self-love, self-love looks like. Oh my God, that's a mouthful. How, I guess, what would your advice be on helping someone navigate that? I think it's really important to do two things that have really like that I remind myself of every day. Number one, have boundaries. So know what your boundaries are with people. You know, if you tell someone, Hey, I'm going to stay in this weekend and they're pressuring you to go out, you know, you, you just have to stay true to your boundaries and what, you know, what you want to do with your life. It's your life. I think we tend to want to people please sometimes we don't want to upset someone or hurt someone, but I once read something that was so profound. It was like people pleasing is a form of manipulation. Because you're people pleasing because you want that person to like you. You're afraid that if you say no or you let them down in some way, they're not going to like you. So you're manipulating the situation and yourself and the way that you're behaving to get them to like you. So that's like a powerful just side note. And I think also having, you know, being really protective of your energy. That's a big one too. So I recently moved and I had, you know, it was a moving is like one of the most chaotic times in anyone's life. And then I had this like wild party weekend with all my friends who wanted to see me and hang out. And it was great. Cause I wasn't working for the weekend. And then my Monday, I was like, I cannot see or speak to a human being. Like I need <laughs> to protect my energy. So I told the people that I'm closest to like, listen, I'm kind of just gonna like do my own thing today. Like, don't call me unless it's an emergency. Like I won't be on my phone. And I just did nothing. I cooked a nice like healthy dinner for myself. I got to bed early, you know, I had a cup of tea. I just, I unwinded so, or unwound. And I think we oftentimes don't give ourselves that, that moment to say, Hey, I'm disconnecting from you. Like, it's not personal. I love you. You know, and this is goes for like a parent, a spouse, a child, a best friend, anyone, Oh, somebody that you work with, but just knowing when it's time to take a step back. Cause I think a lot of times we tend to have our energy like pulled from us, right? We're always getting drained. That's what I was saying on Sunday. I was like, I just feel really drained right now. I feel like everybody wants something from me. So in my mind, I knew that I needed to create a moment for myself on Monday when I could just 
protect, put like a little, I call it my little champagne bubble around me, right? Where I just get to be in my own world. And then I felt great on Tuesday morning when I woke up. Yeah, I love that. I recently found out I'm neurodiverse, which is, you know, cool and makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's not, I don't see it as a limitation. I see it totally as like, oh, okay. And one of the biggest things that I've taken from that is how easily I become overstimulated. And it's not even, I think sometimes some of the words, you know, like we get like, you exactly said the word drained, like life can be draining, right? And actually, I think sometimes we underestimate how easily we can become overstimulated from life and how, especially if you have a full-time job and a family, you know, I have the luxury of calling my hours, right? And deciding when I work, but if you don't have those luxuries, it's very easy to just stay on that hamster wheel of like, get up, go to work, do the thing, you know, see the friends, tick the box, have Sunday lunch with the family, like do all these things. And, you know, boundaries is something I've had to really, I mean, work at, like with a therapist, like work real hard over the last two years, especially after, you know, the pandemic years where, you know, and I know that a lot of people, you know, maybe had coaching businesses at that time too, or like me, I had two, but I was pouring and pouring and pouring just to try and lift other people up. You know, a lot of content creators felt the same. And I just felt I had no boundaries. And so I drained and depleted myself that I actually ended up burning out and then taking three months to recover, not, you know, a Sunday afternoon. So I totally understand the value of creating those boundaries. I guess from your experience, and I guess this is like you say, you've this is something that you've learned and created. When someone recognizes that they, they don't have boundaries or they're like, oh God, this is something I need to work on. What would be your, I guess, a top tip or a piece of advice for them on where to start with boundaries? Because it can be quite strange feeling when you've always been an over everything, whether it's an overworker, an over people pleaser, an over whatever, to then start to create these lines for yourself can almost feel restrictive, I guess, is the way I would describe it. So I guess I'm interested to know your thoughts on that. I think it can definitely feel scary too, right? You don't want to let people down or you don't know where to begin. I think just taking like, doing an audit of your life and really looking at the areas of your life where you do feel like the most depleted, maybe making a list or noticing moments in the day when you're feeling that pull and when you're feeling overwhelmed and writing it down, you know, whether it's like in the notes app on your phone or in like a little notebook or a journal, and then prioritizing that maybe looking at those top three areas and going, okay, you know, it's, it's when my mom calls me at night and wants to talk to me for three hours or it's when, you know, my friends are pulling me out and dragging me out on the weekends and, you know, I don't want to go drinking and partying and they do like whatever that is for you. Maybe it's your work, maybe you're working too many hours and you're, you know, you're not shutting off at a certain point in the day, but do like an honest audit and look at your life and find those areas and then go slowly. You know, like I always tell all my coaching clients to like, don't, you can't change your whole life overnight, right? It's not going to be sustainable. It's not going to be fun. So just find like the, the number one area start there, then go to the second and the third. And it does start to become a practice over time. You know, it does start to become, it's like something that you have to really put the work into, but then it starts to be, feel more normal. And that almost becomes like your default setting is to have those boundaries immediately, as opposed to just letting everyone else run your life for you. I love that. I love what you said about default setting. And um, I follow a lot of Amanda Francis's work as well. And obviously she uses the word like default quite a lot, like in terms of that's just like the standard, that's the where it is, that's just her certainty. And I think it we use it in, in Eng- like in England, we use that word differently. Like we almost has a negative connotation, like default, like it's the default setting on, like in CRTV, right? Default setting on the TV rather than it's like a standard. And it's interesting how like the difference of how that word gets used. And I think if I said default setting to my clients, they'd be like, 
oh, you mean like factory settings, you know, like they would, but it's so interesting because what it actually means is like whatever you set your standards at and I don't think I've quoted anything more on Instagram, you get what you're available for. You get what you're available for, full stop. So I think boundaries is a really interesting subject under this umbrella of self-love. And I guess, you know, with boundaries, being connected to our space and our environment. And obviously you've just moved house. So that's obviously a change of environment. I personally am very affected by my environment. Um, the house I lived in before this was a rental. And as we were forced to move, it was like a really shitty situation in lockdown where the house we were in was basically sold really, really quickly. And we had to move on. And I wasn't ready after my divorce to buy somewhere. Cause I was like, oh my God, like that's a huge decision. Especially in the, I don't know whether it's the same in the US, like buying a property, like fixed term mortgages and long um, I mean it's just like blah. and it's so yeah I was just like I just did was not ready for that kind of commitment so I was like oh shit we need to buy I've got two dogs me and like I had a whole house worth of stuff so I was like it's in a truck I was like what are we gonna do so I rented this house thinking it'd be fine and it was a fucking disaster to be honest <laughs> and we lived there for a whole year and it was not a surprise to me that my business was like stagnant my energy was like Again, this was in second lockdown, which I personally found worse, but I think there was no hope in sight at that point. So I think it was kind of like, but my environment was a huge part of that because anytime I would spend time away from home, like a, a spa day or the trips that we did get away on, like I was like a, back to my old self. So I guess I'm interested, you know, especially with a recent move under your belt and, you know, how important is environment for you? And I guess, you know, under that umbrella of self-love, how can people create an environment or a space that serves them in the pursuit of kind of that self-love and becoming their best self. Yeah, it's super important. I mean, I live in New York and as anyone listening that knows New York, the real estate market here is intense <laughs> and there's, you know, so many different neighborhoods and places to be. My last apartment was a nice apartment. It was older, but it was on a strip, a street rather that was just so noisy all the time. And there was so much like chaos, like there was just sirens. It was across the street from a firehouse and I was on the 11th floor, so I was closer to the grounds and it was just intense. And I could feel like my whole nervous system was always just like going haywire in that apartment. I would try to record a podcast. I'd have to hit pause a thousand times because a siren would be passing by. So I knew that I needed to move. I was there for a couple of years and I had been looking around and then COVID hit. So then everything was paused. And finally, like towards the end of last year, I was like, am I going to go into another year in the same chaotic environment that I'm functioning in, but am I really thriving in? Could things be better? Could things feel better for me? Um, financially, I did great, but I was in a fight or flight kind of mode half the time, right? Like I was just in this space that I just felt like was not the best place for me. So I moved and I came downtown and I'm now in a luxury building. I'm on the 46th floor. And I know that's not available for everyone, but for me, like I, I made this happen. I, I set my sights on it. I knew what I wanted to do. So I'm literally like looking out at my view right now over all of New York City. There's not a sound anywhere. Like it is so quiet. It's bright. It's peaceful. And I can't even tell you the difference that it's just made for me. I feel healthier. I feel happier. Um, it's brighter. It's just, there's so many amenities. It's a different world. So it has definitely helped me. But before I could make this move, what I tried to do in the space that I was in was bring in things that made me feel good. So I got all white bedding because the apartment was dark. So I was like, let me get some bright bedding. Let me let this feel like a hotel. Cause just like you, when I would travel, I would, my whole standard was I would always have to stay in a suite. That was a standard I created for myself about probably two years ago. 
And I'm like, I'm never, cause I got upgraded one day to a suite and I was like, I'm never not staying in a suite like this. And I, one day I want my apartment to look like this. And every time I would travel, I'd feel so good. And I'm like, I'm on this white bedding and these luxury towels. So I started to bring things like that into my last apartment. I always had fresh flowers. Um, I just did things that made it feel more elevated and that made a big difference. And now that I'm here, I told myself I wasn't coming into this apartment with anything that felt old or heavy from the last place. So I got a new bed. I got a new couch. I bought like these beautiful, you know, hotel quality, like towels for my bathroom. And I made those little tweaks and they have made all the difference. So I think, you know, wherever you are, if moving is not possible, I know that takes time and planning, but what can you do to your current space to make it feel more supportive to you, more supportive to your dreams, your goals, your lifestyles? What are the things that really don't, you don't love about that space and what can you change within reason to, you know, allow that place to be somewhere that you can really thrive in. Yeah, I love that. And it, the difference in me, when we moved here, so out my window right now, so I'm upstairs in my office. And again, I did very similar things. So like my bedding is actually all black. So everything I've got is all black and the room is white. And I have like black framed pictures with white words on the, and the words are like words that feel like it, you know, it's in my bedroom, but it's like one of the words is like sexy because that's how I feel like, but it's exactly that. Like I didn't bring my old furniture here I bought and you know I was in the position to do this I bought pretty much all new stuff for the entire house because I was like that's carrying memory that's carrying energy that's so it's so interesting and so you're almost validating you know when like you've been on a journey like I promise this is what you need to do and then you hear someone else you're like yes so I love that and I love what you said and I've you know phrased it is elevate your environment that's a phrase and a half right there um so you said something I really liked around you know you elevated your standards you know into staying in a suite hotel towels these are things that I've been doing. So, you know, with my flights now, I'm always like wherever possible, I'm like upgrading myself if it's over mm -hmm. eight hours. Because in the UK, everywhere's freaking eight hours, right? Like we're miles <laughs> away from anywhere good. Um, so those little standards and those little tweaks from switching to, you know, your brand of your, you know, I'm a non-dairy person. So switching the brand of non-dairy milk to an organic one, like these small tweaks can really raise your standards over time. And I personally know it's had a profound impact. I think sometimes people can underestimate the impact of these small tweaks. Like, where you buy your clothes from like now I don't buy my clothes from any of these kind of online sites markets we call them like you know if it isn't either sustainable recycled organic or maybe it's not you know being honest not all designer labels necessarily have the best ethics but you know if it's not an intentional purchase I don't want it because actually what I realized was I was actually cluttering my environment with stuff and things because the stuff and the things made me feel something in the moment and I think one of the biggest things I've learned from my environment, and it's funny, you hear a lot of millionaires talk about this, so I'm taking this as a sign I'm headed there, um, is that the more wealthy you get, the less stuff you need. And I was like, that is so interesting. So I think, you know, my my support, my extra tip to what Cara said would be just like clear your environment. Like if there's anything that's in it that you're like, why do I have this? Like, what is this here for? Like even books, right? So I, as you can see with my stack of books, I love books, but when we moved, I probably had like 300 books. Now I could have built a wall in this house to house all the books. The truth is some of those books didn't serve me. I didn't obviously resonate. I have only read them maybe once and I'm a big rereader. And so I gave them away on Instagram. I was like, just send me your address and I'll post them because I've already spent the money and the money's gone. Like postage is a business expense. I'm all good for business expenses. So, but the point was I cleared stuff because I was like, that's just energy I'm taking that I don't need. So we could get really into energy. I'm sure we could. I'm conscious of your time though. But so I wanted just to pull back on something that you said when you were talking about living in your old environment, because it's something that I've personally been working with on my therapist with for literally the last 
like super relevant the last kind of three to six months she's actually coming on the podcast we're going to do an interview about some of my stuff which is something I've never done before but she's up for it I'm up for it let's you know if people are up for honest conversation is you talked about your central nervous system now you know before we jumped on live I said to Carla I feel like the world is going in a direction of like the personal development space perhaps is the right way is kind of trusting yourself safety healing I feel like those kind of thought streams are coming back through rather than the hustle grind that kind of culture which we had for a few years like it was a very strong part of it and you said about your central nervous system and I've been doing quite a lot of work on like my vagus nerve and some somatic you know body work basically on top of all the head work and I guess I'm interested to know you know with your central nervous system and I think let me just give a little tiny bit of context so to anyone who's like what are you talking about Cara talked about feeling fight or flight you know like if someone makes you jump or someone cuts you up in traffic and you're like oh, oh my god and the challenge is that what can happen over time through stresses. so whether that's life stresses like you know a busy job like I said you're on the hamster wheel of life you eat crap you're drinking too much you know all the things your body can basically become stuck is the simplest way to describe it in either the fight or flight or in freeze where freeze is basically paralyzed and I have spent the last two years pretty much rotating between those three so fighting hustling striving desperation climbing flighting like fuck it let's go on holiday <laughs> um spending money like no tomorrow or don't get me wrong inspired guidance dipped in there somewhere and then freeze where I just was like I just can't do anything and what I've understood is that because I didn't understand myself because everything that Cara's talked about I didn't have strong enough boundaries I wasn't clear on like what I was available for you know what ended up happening is I energetically burnt myself out and my central nervous system had to take over because I wasn't setting those energetic boundaries so what can happen is we can become kind of trapped in this perpetual state of like fight, flight or freeze. And then we're not actually living at all. We are basically just surviving. So hopefully that's given people enough context. So when I ask you this question is, you know, knowing what you know about your central nervous system and everything you said about your environment, I guess, what do you do to, I guess, to nourish yourself, not just, you know, maybe from a personal growth development side of things, but, you know, under this umbrella of self-love, what do you do for yourself that helps nourish your body, your mind and your energy? Um, sleep is really important for me. I need to get like eight to 10 hours of sleep a night or I just cannot function. <laughs> so that is number one. Um, I'm in bed most nights around nine and like falling asleep, maybe like nine 30, 10 o'clock, the latest. I like to get up early in the morning, but I let myself sleep. I don't use an alarm clock and I've built a life where fortunately I don't have to anymore, but you know, I, if you don't have to use an alarm clock, like on the weekends, don't use it. Like really, I think that is just such an unnatural way for us to wake up. I wake up with the sun and, you know, whatever my body tells me to do. So that's been big exercise for sure. Uh, specifically strength training. So I moved away. I was a big time soul cycler, um, weight lifter. Like I wanted to lift heavy weights. I would box all the time. And that served me for a little while, but I noticed like I'm 42 and I started learning more about like hormones and the way that our bodies work. And as you get older, that actually sends your body into fight or flight mode, right? It like completely zaps your nervous system and your adrenals. And I was noticing that I would go train with a trainer and we'd box and I would be lifting these heavy weights and I would have to come home and take a two hour nap. And I don't nap. Yeah, I'm not a nap. I'm, I hate napping, but I was like, I can't function. My eyes are rolling back in my head. I'm so tired. Like this isn't normal. So I moved away from that and I moved into walking. I walk on an incline on the treadmill. I don't run. And I do strength training. So like I'm doing lunges and squats and planks, like a slow moving workout. And it feels so much better for my body. And I feel like my body looks better. 
Um, and also just, again, like going back to the energy thing, any kind of, I don't know how you are about this, but like, I'm a very spiritual person. So I have like my incense burning, which you probably see in the background. I have my Palo Santo. I'm always like, just like clearing the space, clearing my energy and just taking a couple of minutes to breathe. I don't, I'm not, I haven't gotten into breath work yet. Although I feel like everyone in the world has told me to, maybe I'll get there. I'm not a good meditator because I'm super anxious, but we're working on it. We're getting there slowly, but surely. But I just think those couple of things, like really prioritizing yourself as cliche as it sounds, you have to put yourself first and not be scared to tell people, no, I need to leave. I'm leaving early tonight. I have to go home because I need my eight hours of sleep or got to go home early because I need to wake up in the morning and go for a long walk or whatever it is that you need for yourself. But I would say those things. And then eating food-wise, if I eat junk, you know, it's saying garbage in, garbage out. Like if I'm eating junk for too long, like I just, I feel it. So I'm very veggie heavy. Like I've been vegan before. That really doesn't work for my body, unfortunately, but I just eat super lean protein. Like I'll eat eggs or Greek yogurt. And then I really like nourish myself with lots of greens and, you know, water and like high fiber foods and things like that. So, yeah. Yeah. I loved everything you just said. My background's actually in nutrition. So that's why I was kind of, and a lot of the people that follow me because of what I basically, I built my coaching business very much in like the fitness coaching, body transformation. And then I moved into becoming like a prep coach. So bikini competing, like, you know, all the extremes. My fiance is a bodybuilder, like this, you know, the other side of my life. And so it's so interesting about all the stuff that we've been teaching about nutrition. There are personal trainers listening to this now going, yes, because they've been trying to teach their clients this for years. And it's so interesting. I've been on the very same journey, you know, I've been the, and I do wonder if there's almost a defined path for some people who, you know, end up more in this teaching kind of space, I guess, that we need to go through the thing to be able to learn. But, you know, I went through the same thing, you know, high intensity interval training. I'm 35 now. So again, and I've actually started perimenopause early. So I'm kind of navigating that too. But, you know, the same thing. I've been through the high intensity. I've been through the restricted diet phase. I've been through, again, I've not started breath work yet. I'm resisting it. I'm a big fan of Reiki. I'm, I can meditate now, guided under Joe Dispenza. Love a bit of Dr. Joe. He's like, love him. Yeah. You couldn't, I couldn't just sit here and you, you know press a song like you know like I hear Gabby Bernstein sometimes she'll come on like you know like you're just flicking meditation tracks in your phone and she's just like chanting I'm like what is that I'm like that's just not a vibe for me <laughs> like but it's the same thing like I have learned that I've had to slow myself down in small moments and I think sometimes a lot of people think a well-being routine or being they have to be yogic or some you know kind of like they have to be healed and they have to spend hours and hours and go to a retreat and spend And I just honestly think it's the small moments, the small moments of rest, the small moments of being with yourself. And, you know, I'm sure I will get to breath work. I've, you know, I've talked about this. I haven't talked about this a lot, but maybe I'll do a podcast on this. I've tried microdosing for a while. That was an interesting six months, you know, like I learned some stuff. So I think there's a million ways you could approach it, but I think everything you've said is so sustainable. And I think that's what comes down to, you know, self-love really for me is for me personally, my self-love protocol is, if I like doing it, it's sustainable and therefore I'm going to feel better. Yeah, completely agree. And I, I, again, like I'm such an extremist and I think a lot of people who are entrepreneurs now are listening who can agree with that. It's like, I'm going to go vegan. I'm never going to eat animal products again. And I'm like going to run the marathon. And it's like, no girl, calm down. Maybe you could just eat some more broccoli with your meal and like go for a long walk today. Like, how about that? 
Like I go from one extreme, like when I did soul cycle, I like immediately signed up for this thing called turn it up 20. And it was like, you had to ride five days a week. And I completely stopped drinking. And I was like, maybe I could take a few nights off of the wine as opposed to being completely sober to get, you know, so there's the, for me, I've learned the hard way. The extremes don't work. And it's more about mindfulness for everything. Mindfulness and moderation to me are like the, the two key words that really have like informed so many areas of my life and made it better. Because what happens, I think when we tend to go to the extreme, when it's not sustainable, then we get into that cycle of guilt. And then we binge on whatever it is that we're trying to not do, whether that's even just binging on being lazy because we set up, you know, this insane workout schedule and now we don't want to do anything. So really just being patient with myself, giving myself some compassion and just doing the best I can do every single day. I, t- you know, like literally day by day, like how can I be my, the best version of me today? And if I can't, it's fine. I've got tomorrow. I love that. And you know what you just said about, you know, the all or nothing. I mean, obviously I come sat here like, yeah, like that's been my whole life. And, you know, I've been doing a lot of work into why I've created those structures and why I believe that, you know, what that I believed about myself, that if I wasn't doing that, what that meant. And this is where the personal growth work and, you know, the therapeutic work comes in behind the habits. And I think this is something people are now being more open to. I think a lot of, for a long time, especially in the fitness space, it was very like, well, if you don't work out, you're lazy. And if you eat junk, you're shit. And, and actually what people are realizing is actually, no, no, I just, I ended up this way. Cause I thought this is, this would mean I was worthy, or I thought this would mean I would be, you know, meet a guy, or I thought this would mean, and I think what's happened, which I'm so refreshed by is people are understanding the meanings behind why they've been doing things. And when you change the meaning, you change your life. So I love everything you said. You have reaffirmed to me that I'm on the right track in my moderation of everything and not being this <laughs> because I'm that same person. I'm like, that's it. I'm never doing this again. And do you know what? You know, I don't know. Have you seen the film Love Actually? It's a very British film. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah, it's classic. You know, the bit where he goes to Kira Knightley with the boards and he's like, basically, I'm in love with you, da da da. And then she gives him a kiss and then he says, right, enough now. And he walks off and like, you feel that moment. You're like, it's visceral. You're like, he's done that's it and like I think sometimes when we create change we have to have that like in like enough moment we have to be like I'm done it's it but the problem is when you're all or nothing you try to do that like 20 times a day and your central <laughs> nervous system is just like so like you I'm a sleeper like I had to get up last week so basically I'm in another business I basically did this thing for them where I got up every morning and was like the morning mindset coach, right? And basically I meant I had to get up at like 10 to six in the morning. And I'm like, so I was so fried by day three. I went back to bed for five hours because of my central nervous system, because the same thing. I, my dogs are my alarm. My dogs go, mommy, the sun's up. We want, we're hungry. And I'm, but that noise of them rustling is not like, <gasps> that noise is like, okay, it's time to get up even if I don't want to, but it's time. We're setting an alarm oh my god like it's been so long since I've had to do that I think when you have an alarm when you're going on holiday it just does you're like yes you're excited but that oh my god that reminded me last week why I've built everything I've built so that I don't have to get up to an alarm and lose my central nervous system so one of the best luxuries in the world <laughs> the luxury of time and honestly I think I personally think I took it for granted in the lockdown years because I had not only the time I'd created before lockdown, I then had all this extra time because all the things I did spend my time, I didn't have those either. And I think I almost went the other way and was like bored and tried to make myself busy and do all these things that just didn't serve me at all. And I think I think if you can create some time in your day, like we said, for that, those just mindful moments, 
it's honestly transformational. So conscious of time. So I'm going to ask you two more questions. So the first one is, how do you, and you may have kind of, I guess, already touched on this. How do you up level your standards in life? So let's say whether it's money, body, a man, you know, if, or a woman, depending on, you know, where, wherever this person wants to go, they're listening. You know, how do you change, change? How do you personally change what you're available for? So when you're like, okay, I've had my enough moment. I'm done with this. I want to move on. I guess what's your process or what's like your flow for raising your standards? You know, it's a tough question. I feel like it's something that I just inherently wind up doing at a certain point because I get so sick and tired of feeling frustrated and feeling like I'm just accepting breadcrumbs in whatever area of life that is, whether it's a relationship or it's lifestyle or business-wise. And I just decide what I want. I write it down. You know, I love to write down what I want. I like to write down like as as opposed to just a goal. I I like to write down like the feeling that I want to cultivate, right? How do I want to feel in my next relationship? How do I want to feel in my next home? How do I want to feel when I'm making like a new level of income each month? Like those are the things that I really sort of, you know, look to to kind of guide me and I just set the steps in motion to make it happen. You know, it's kind of like the shortest answer, but it's just the truth. It's like, just, you just got to do it. You got to decide. But I think figuring out what you want first is the most important thing. So many of us are just on autopilot. We're just accepting life as it is. We're taking the status quo. We're just, we're, you know, and we're not actually really asking ourselves the hard questions of like, what do I actually want? Like, what do you want out of your life? You know, like I've, dated people now that I'm divorced who are like, well, I want to get married. And I'm like, I don't really know if I want that, you know? And I think it's okay to admit what you want because I like freedom. I value that. I think identifying your core values is super important in every area of life. I do this all the time. And for me, my core value is freedom. My number one core value, freedom in my business, freedom in my friendships, freedom in my family life, freedom in my relationships, all of that stuff, reading my schedule, so really get honest with what it is that you want. And then I think the, the standards kind of become, you create them from that place. So true. And obviously it's no coincidence why I'm, you know, obsessed with your work. My number one value is it's like extended. It's the freedom to choose. Mm-hmm. Like for me, it's always about the choice. So like, you know, I'm getting married again now, like I've been divorced and that was very much, I felt very much not free in that marriage. I'll be honest. I felt very like restricted that this is who I had to be and this is what I had to do. And in this marriage, I feel so free. And we were both entrepreneurs and we both do things all the time. And we found, we built the systems to support us so that we continue with that time freedom, that emotional freedom. And I feel like I choose him every day. And I think, it, you know, maybe there'll be more work for me to revisit once we're actually married because we're engaged right now around what it means to be a wife again and what it means to be, but I'm ready to do the work because I love this man. And I think it's so interesting that you say, I think people underestimate or they believe they know what their values are by how they feel day to day. And actually what a lot of that is, is that survival, that fight or flight or freeze. Then we think that that's the value, but the value is like, like you said, living by design. It's living on purpose. If you could live a certain way every day, what would it be with? What kind of energy? So I could literally talk to you for hours. Um, but I want, I would love for you to share a little bit about your upcoming book. Um, especially for anyone right here who's in the dating scene as well, who's maybe maybe back in the dating scene as well. I just know that they would love to hear a little bit about it. And then if you could just tell us where people can find you and how they can plug into you, how they can follow you and how they can connect with everything that you're doing. Yeah, so the new book is totally different than anything I've ever written. I've always written personal development, professional development. This is actually a collection of essays. It's a dating memoir. 
So it's all of my stories from, you know, I go all over the place, like childhood stuff to post-divorce, what it looks like dating after the pandemic, during the pandemic, over 40, all of my stories. And it's funny. And I wanted to write something completely different because I don't really believe there is dating advice that applies. I don't think there's like a one size fits all, you know, set of rules for love. Um, I still don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) I'm still trying to figure it out every day. So I was like, what can I write for women that will make them feel less alone? So, you know, I talk about everything, ghosting, being heartbroken, getting dumped, doing the dumping, the dating apps, divorce, the whole thing. It runs the whole gamut. I actually talk about how, you know, there's like a little chapter in there, an essay. It's like a satire on all of like the books, the dating books, you know, why men love bitches and all of this stuff that I think we should really just like burn. Um, Because those books will tell you to do everything except be yourself, if you've ever noticed that. Um, So it's called, Do You Think He Died? (laughs) Because (laughs) first time I'm announcing it, because there's like, I think that there's like a couple stages of like being ghosted that every woman can relate to. Like first you're in denial and then you're like pissed off. And then you're like, wait, do you think he died? And then you go back to being pissed off when you find out he's still alive and he just ignored, he's ignoring you. So that's the title. (laughs) And it's probably going to be out like, I'm guessing early summer, like late spring, early summer, hopefully still writing it almost done. So we'll see. Oh my God. That's so funny because I've absolutely been that girl. So I'm fortunate (laughs) enough to, to have already known my fiance when I've left my marriage. So it wasn't like I had to get into the dating pool. And honestly, we say all the time, like, we're like, holy shit balls. Like if we split up, we are screwed because we have no idea how to date. And you know what? The only dating book I ever resonated with was, um, I wasn't really, a, I guess it is a dating book. It's called, it's called A Breakup because it's broken. And it's by, okay. the, it's by the people who wrote He's Just Not That Into You. And it's so funny. But I mean, to your point, does talk about how to behave, how to modulate, how to, but I just like it because it's exactly that same thing about the, the break of the process where he's ghosting you because he's not into you, babes. So, but you're like, wait, do you think he had a car accident? Do you think he lost his phone? Like you would rather- <laughs> We make up every excuse in the book. We're like, you know what? He's probably just really, really busy. And maybe he like got a new phone and the number didn't transfer over. Or maybe he's dead. I actually tell a story when I was dating this guy who was like a huge like drug addict. And I was like party guy, you know, whatever. And we were dating and he go the first second time. he No, I think it was the first time he goes to me for like, you know, three weeks that I actually put on like sunglasses and I like walked around the neighborhood and like found his little restaurant just to make sure the lights were on. Cause I was like, well, if he was dead, they wouldn't be open. Right. They'd be like at least grieving him for a little while. <laughs> it's like the ridiculous shit that we do. And then when I realized he was alive, cause I saw him walk by, I was enraged. I was like, how dare you breathe? How dare you be here and like, not call me. It's kind of funny. Oh my God. That is so funny. And it's so true. And what you said about, you know, the teachers, everything except have to be ourselves. And I think it's not a coincidence to me that the relationship, like I said, that I have now happened at the at the end of a season of personal self-actualization. And I think that sometimes, especially if we've grown up with a certain dating belief or our parents' stories or whatever else, that we end up in a situation where we just actually just don't understand. And I think a lot of women are going to massively, I mean, I'm going to read it, you know, I might be getting married, but I just still think, also it makes you feel like not mental. You're like, oh, actually wait, all other women feel like this. I'm not crazy. I don't need to change. I just need to keep going until I meet my match. Oh yeah. There's so much crazy in the book. I mean, I put, I fucking bought like, like I casted like spells on a guy once, like from an Etsy witch. So you'll, (laughs) you'll see. Oh my God. And they worked and they worked. Side note. 
Oh my so, god! Okay, I can't wait for this book. Right before we spoil any more from the book, because everyone needs to get it. So, um, where can everybody find you? How can they plug into your resources? How can they follow you? Yeah, so all my books are on Amazon. If you just look up my name, Kara Allwell, you'll see all my books there. I'm on Instagram at the Champagne Diet, and my podcast is called Style Your Mind, and it's everywhere podcasts are available. Love that. Cara, thank you so much for joining me. I'm so unbelievably grateful. I know my audience is going to feel exactly the same. Make sure to tag us both when you share it on your Instagram stories. Give us a tag. Let us know what you thought. Share us your funny comments. You know, if you feel like it, maybe I'll start a thread on one of my Instagrams for your funny dating stories and we can share them because I think, you know what, they are possibly the most entertaining things ever. So, Cara, thank you so much for spending this time with us in your beautifully sunny brand new apartment in New York City. Aww. Thank you. So (laughs) grateful. And that was the way that we see it this week, talking about self-love.